Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Dustin's Vinyl. Very excited. I'm uh, cleaning some vinyl today. This is very important. It's like when you're a vinyl record collector, it's kind of like having a hot rod car or a classic car. Like You have to always keep up the maintenance on it. So that's one of the things when you buy classic records, you got you to gotta clean out because there's a lot of groove and dirt and just years of playing that you got to kind of maintain. So clean your records, everybody. You can get a little alcohol and get one of these cool little brushes and uh, yeah, clean the grooves, clean the grooves. Uh, very excited to be back uh, on the new show, Dustin's Vinyl. Uh, it's an upgrade show, very excited. And that's uh, where we pull vinyl and uh, we talk about it and see where it goes. So we're going to uh, do a little, little grab bag. Nobody ever knows this is rigged or not. <laughs> and we're going to see what we got today. Oh, come on. The man in black himself. We have uh, Johnny Cash, story songs of the trains and rivers. This is a really cool kind of uh, rare album here. Um, it's one of the uh, few Sun Record label albums that I actually own. And uh, those of you that know the Sun Records label, Sam Phillips, all the great, um, you know, John, Johnny Cash and Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis and Roy Orbison all came into that amazing studio. This is a record off of that label. And this, um, if you know much about Johnny Cash, he had a fascination with trains, uh, also with prisons and wearing a lot of black. But uh, <laughs> he, this is the third album uh, by Johnny Cash singing about trains. Um, this is actually the compilation of the three. Uh, his first big uh, hit was Hey Porter, which is um, a song about, you know, Porter on Train. And that was his big, big album and his first album, actually. And so uh, this is really cool. And Johnny had a fascination with the American Railroad and kind of, uh, if you listen to Johnny, to me, kind of sounds like a train. He's just got this kind of gust and just darkness to him. And uh, this is really cool. It's got Hey Porter. It's got Blue Train and Rock Island Line, which is a really good song. And uh, there's, a, there's actually a documentary about um, Johnny Cash and his love for trains. I think it's Riding the Rails. If you get a chance, really cool. And there's nobody cooler in the world than Johnny Cash. I love Johnny. Johnny was one of those guys that kind of just fused so many different elements of music and uh, everything from country to soul to, uh, to gospel to I even say a little punk rock and even the later stuff is amazing. Rick Rubin, all that stuff did a cover, you know, Nine Inch Nails, Hurt and stuff. So he's really cool. So if you don't have any Johnny Cash, get you some. Um, I'm very excited to have this album. And I always like to show the Sun record label, which is just a very cool thing when you can actually have an original Sun, Sun record label. So get you some Johnny Cash, um, you know, and check out the train stuff. It's really fascinating. And Johnny had a lot of different themes. Uh, he went through like country western stuff, like. Woo! Anybody? All right, everybody, get you some Johnny Cash. That's my pick of my grab pick of the day, and uh, very excited to uh, keep talking vinyl. All right, huh? How great was that? Got to open with Johnny Cash, you know what I mean? That's that's how you open a show, you know what I mean? Like, that's the best way to open a show. I'm going to bring in my <laughs> featured friend, co-host, rock and roll, just trailblazing, cool dude, Mr. Jeffrey Paul, everybody! Hello, Dustin. You like Johnny? You? you like a little Johnny Cash? Love Johnny Cash. When yeah. I was growing up, that was what my father used to listen to. Like I told you, my father really, he didn't like jokes. <laughs> he wasn't a big movie guy. 
Okay. But he loved Johnny Cash. He loved nice. country music and he loved Johnny Cash. And that was what was always playing in the background. Johnny Cash. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Johnny Cash song? You have a couple? Um, Give me three. Give me like, your top three. Or two. Give me two. Fol- I'm going to go Folsom. Folsom. Folsom, Prison Folsom Blues. Awesome. Another Blues. train song. Yeah. It's about yeah, a train yeah, watching see, people rolling. while he's yeah, in prison. While he's in prison, he's just watching people, you know, in this that are having a better life than him. Just in a train. That's what that whole song's about. And it's, he's paying a, for killing that song, man in yeah. Reno. <laughs> and what? Um, that was great. And you alluded to some of his later work. And yeah. I think probably when you look at covers, the best cover I've ever heard. I, I argue this with people all the time. I think Hurt is the best cover I've ever heard. Yeah, um, I think so too. It just has such um, soulfulness, soulfulness to it. You know, it's like there's two covers that I really love, and uh, that's one of my favorites. My other one is Cowboy Junkies. They do uh, Sweet Jane by Lou Reed, but um, mm. and it's in the same category to me because that's an amazing cover. But uh, her, yeah, even uh, Trent Reznor was like, "This is like he did it better than me." Like he even said it. He goes, "He took this song to this soulful level that I didn't even think it had." And when I first recorded it. But uh, yeah, that's what Johnny did, you know, and that late stuff is amazing. There's like four records off American Recording by Rick Rubin, and there's a whole bunch of covers and uh, just kind of later stuff that, you know, Johnny like recorded in his, at his home studio. And uh, he, you know, there's, that's what I love about guys like that, that, you know, when they were towards the end, they really try to produce as much content as they could. And uh, David Bowie was like that and Johnny Cash, Glenn Campbell. Yeah, Freddie Mercury. It's so cool when, you know, it's like those guys, it's like a horrible time, you know, they know the end is near and they really try to, you know, get as much out. I'm so glad they did. But uh, yeah, Johnny and Johnny's like a wide, you know, I've never met anybody that didn't like Johnny Cash. Like even if you're like a punk rock guy or a straight, you know, what, you know, straight rock guy or or full regular country guy, like there's going to be a, a song that you like. And he just, yeah, such cool styles too. such a storyteller. Like, uh, you know, Boy Named Sue is so fun. And, just, you know, just, just really cool. Different kind of music, man. I just felt like it kind of, I don't know, this kind of took country to another direction, which is, you know, really interesting at the time. And at the time, what he was doing was phenomenal. Like, it was so edgy at the time. Everybody's like, what's this guy talking about killing a guy in Reno to watch him die? Like, what's That's happening? That's a great one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and then he, and the fact that he recorded it in a prison, like, how, how punk rock is that? Like he's just like a, a live recording, first guy ever live recording in a prison. You know, it's like San Quentin. Like that's so that's so rock and roll to me. I mean, I don't get more rock and roll than that. And that's no, before but, anybody was doing anything close to that. So so cool. Yeah, he he was authentic. He he wasn't doing it for for sure. He he was the real yeah. article. This guy, you once said something to me that I think bodes well. You know, the same as what Johnny Cash did, especially with Hurt. You once told me about uh, the way of, of telling jokes, you know, connecting with what you're saying. You know, mm. sometimes you see comics just kind of do things on autopilot and reciting jokes. It almost sounds rehearsed, but connecting with every word you said. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. Me, a big difference in, in my uh, stand up. But right. when you hear Johnny Cash and he when he's singing Hurt, and it's not his words, but the take and the spin he puts on it and the arrangement of it. 
I mean, yeah. you believe that, and it's better than the original, I think. Absolutely. I mean, well, yeah, it's you know, it's important to feel what you say, and I think that's kind of you know what I was kind of getting at is like feel what you say. And I think it's with Johnny Cash. He never really went to prison. He never really did a lot of these things. He never killed anybody. All this stuff, but it's like, but you think he did because he feels it when he sings it. And that's the thing yeah. is it's like he has such a such a way of encompassing and kind of feeling the song. And, you know, it's like it just feels like everything he's saying is his life and it happened. And, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a soul that, you know, very, very few musicians have, you know, this is a quality that he has. for Sure. The, the other guy who comes to mind about that is the guy who's on your uh, desk over there is Sinatra. Sinatra would oh, do the yeah. same. Yeah. Sinatra's he would do great. the same thing. When he sung, when he sings a song like Night and Day, and he's talking about the differences, the juxtaposition between Night and Day, you know, he's really, he's really, the way he sings that song is that he's not singing it, he's telling oh. you a, sto a story. I think it's, oh, yeah. know, dude, story, I, I make a parallel too. Oh, absolutely. And my way, forget it, dude. I mean, that's just, that's, that's the, that's one of my great favorite songs, you know, because there's just like, you know, you know, the, you know is the story behind that? What's the story? The story is, uh, he was going to retire. Okay. And he, he puts it out. He's doing a retirement song and he calls up Paul Anka. Paul Anka was an emerging songwriter at the time and says, you know, I'm writing, I'm going to retire, uh, write something to me. He put this out for, to a, a few uh, songwriters. He want, uh, Paul Anka and uh, Sinatra both performing in Florida, and Sinatra uh, calls him and says, hey, after your show, meet me at this restaurant. He goes in the back of the restaurant, Sinatra's there with the woman, and uh, you know, uh, Paul Anka had the song, and he gives him a tape of the song. A couple of weeks later, he calls him up and says, this is what I did with it. How much do you think Paul Anka charged him for the song? How much? Nothing. Nice. He made no money off of it. He didn't get a nothing. He gave him the song that was like his 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 present, his going away present from Paul Anka to Sinatra. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that's such a great song. I uh, talk about covers. I love the Sid Vicious cover as well. <laughs> it's a great cover. Yeah, yeah it's so it's so badass. That's when I started getting into the Sex Pistols and that I think that scene in Sid and Nancy where he's like singing it. But yeah, it's like I mean that's the thing is Sinatra, Johnny Cash. You know these guys they'll never make they'll never see men like that again. You know these were like these real kind of made it their their own 100%. path like they were non-traditional they weren't they didn't look like they should have looked for the time they didn't they just they just found a way to be talented but at the same time just kind of bust through these industries like you know and it's like that's what's cool about guys like sinatra and cash you know they definitely just you know made their own path and just like kept moving forward and doing all kinds of cool stuff so very fun yeah they had, they had real confidence more than confidence man just kind of like just a uh, an energy and a aura about them you know what i mean they owned a room guys like that you know it's like you just i don't know you just kind of wanted to hear what they had to say or see what kind of art they were going to i don't know just something about those guys they just there's nobody like them the reason why i always i say confidence because i think everything starts with confidence without confidence i don't think you can take chances risks be creative maybe i mean what about woody maybe. allen you know some guys don't have confidence, confidence. I don't know. I think Larry David has an insecurity that makes him a genius. Like there's, I see what you're saying, but there's also, I think there's two sides to it. I don't think you have to be confident about everything. I just think you have to be ultra talented. You know, just the talent is the most important. And then I think everything else is, I hear what you're saying, but I'm saying some guys don't have confidence and they're talented. <laughs> 
Okay, the point. <laughs> you know, now I'm losing confidence in this argument. <laughs> no, we can disagree. We can, we can, we can, we can find a common ground. Well, what's the what's the featured uh, album of the week? Come on, Jeff. What do you got? For okay, us? here's the featured album of the yeah. week. Okay. Yes. Um, well, in the spirit of Halloween, and if anyone observed my shirt, yes, we are going to be nice. Perfect. We are we are going to be talking this week about the Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack, nineteen seventy five. Nineteen seventy five version. Um, is, yeah, look there you go. This is an original if, picture disc. Like, uh, isn't that great? This is it's one of my prized possessions. It's worth a lot of money. Great, great yeah. one. If I'm going to use one word to describe this album, I'm going to say campy. If I'm going to use two words to describe this album, I'm going to say catchy. If I'm going to use three words, I'm going to say fun. Campy, catchy, fun. That's what I think of this album. It is glam rock. It is rock and roll. Um, This album in 19, it's released in 1978. It went to number 49 on the Billboard charts. Um, and I, what I like about it is all but two songs are around three minutes. Okay. They're all kind of short songs. Real. So if you don't like something, you move on, and the next one you're going to love. That's what I love about a lot of early music sometimes. Like yeah. Short songs. Nobody makes it. Like the Ramones, short songs. And then it's like, short boom, songs. Short next songs song. or power chords. <laughs> yeah, right. So... Where do we start with this album? Um, do we want to talk uh, chronological order? Do we want to talk about uh, best songs? Let, let's let's talk about some of the best songs off the album. Okay, and uh, let's do one, two, three, four, five. Let's do our top five songs off this album. Okay. And going in number, and I don't know, you know, I know you know the album. So if I'm going to go with number five, my number five song off this album. I really like uh, I'm Going Home. And I'm Going Home it has some great playing on the piano on this one. But not only that, it's one of the few songs with a real nice little uh, slide guitar. And this is uh, Frank making his exit. Um, the whole album, but this song in particular, is very theatrical uh, with the, and has a nice use of the chorus in joining him with singing "I'm Going Home." Yeah, that's, so that's that, a great song. Yeah, yeah so that would um, be my number. Go ahead, go five ahead. song. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I'll okay, let you do your top okay, five, you and then I'll then I'll jump in. Go ahead. Okay, uh, number four. Uh, you would think it would have been a little bit higher, but it's not. Um, I'm going to go "Hot Patootie." Uh, bless my soul. Um, mm. This is Meatloaf. This is pre-Bat Out of Hell uh, days. Um, he's singing in a higher range, but you can clearly tell it's Meatloaf. Um, this song is grandiose. You know, it is big. Um, and what really stands out in this song is the use of the sax. I mean, it is real 60s style rock and roll. Um, I love this song. It's great. Um, on... on um, Hanging there, Teddy Bear. In that tour, uh, Meatloaf opened his concerts with this song, and with a clip in the background. And he cannot sing it anymore. Not, it, it, <laughs> it, you, can, you, you can't even get close. I, I saw that tour; it was brutal. Um, number, 
I'm going to switch something around here. I'm going to go number three favorite song off this is uh, Time Warp, which is probably the most famous song. And really, the song is just dance instructions. <laughs> it's really yeah, a whole it's, bunch it's, of dance instructions. Yeah, it's, it was uh, yeah, kind of the Macarena of its time. You know, <laughs> it's a <macho-rainer laughs> of time. but what's but what's great is the guy who created Rocky Horror, who sings in it, uh, Richard O'Brien. Yeah. Um, such an underrated rock voice. Holy smoke. Yeah, man. he this really has a great could, voice. He could really, really sing uh, like um, there's a Paul again. When you're under sedation, like that, that's yeah. that growl in his voice is man. It's really as good as any rock singer would sing a lyric. Uh, I watched a video because when you do this, you go down these wormholes. Sure. Absolutely. And I, I watched a video of um, Richard O'Brien just with a guitar playing all these songs acoustically. And oh, wow. it still sounded sick. Amazing. Um, my number two favorite song is uh, Sweet Transvestite. Great song. Uh, yeah. it, it is. It's a great song. I think this is the performance in the song and in the movie that pretty much made Tim Curry a star. Um, it's a good upbring, uh, upbeat rock song. But what we were just talking about, confidence. It's his confidence in singing the song. Swag, um, confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Swag, confidence. Oh, yeah, all those adjectives are exactly what makes him such a great performer. And just how he ends it, you know, with the with the um, that little run on. So come up to the lab, and then bam, you know, yeah. and it's just so it just just oozes of confidence. I think it's such a great performance. I love this. Um, and my favorite song, because I've heard so many different versions of it, but I still love the opening song, the science fiction double feature uh, mm. sung by Richard O'Brien. Now, if you watch the movie, it's Patricia's Quinn's lips, lip syncing over Richard O'Brien's voice. He okay. is, he's actually singing. He sings it, written by Richard O'Brien. He's the guy who plays Riff Raff in the movie. Yep. And what I like about it is it's a tribute to science fiction B-movies. Like there's a, a lyric in there about um, the RKO picture show. I like that reference. Um, and it references a lot of 1950s, early 1960s. But there's, a, a again, a really beautiful wailing saxophone. Uh, going on in there so those are my top five songs off of this album and there are other other songs that i think are standouts like uh touch me touch 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 me is, is a good one um uh the longest uh song on the album is uh rose tint my world which is basically three songs uh yeah. pr- pretty much with the um the most famous of them being don't uh, dream it be it um yeah so there's there's a lot of like really good stuff here um damn it janet is a good one and the reason why i like that is it's it's very very broadway and i you know you can make fun of me all you want i love broadway uh stuff i love the broadway uh, musicals and barry Bowswick, who plays bread uh re- you can really hear his broadway training he was the original danny zuko in greece mm. on broadway so nice. You could really hear him singing, especially in a line like um, when he goes, um, I, I just want to tell you, I'm no joker. You know, you could just like, like he has that little falsetto in his yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I really, really uh, like that. I, I love this album. I mean, if you're in a bad mood, this is the album to put on. It's like I said, it's a lot of fun. All the songs are kind of catchy. And if you don't like one, 
it's over within three minutes. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like being married. It's over in three minutes. <laughs> if you don't like it, <laughs> honey, it'll be over in three. Um, great research. That's, that's sex um, with me. Great research. Uh, very cool. Um, yeah, I'm glad that uh, you have an affection for this album. Um, I think there's very few um, albums um, that encompass so much of kind of a film and a cult following and all the things that kind of come with the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I mean, there's very few. I mean, maybe The Wall and, you know, it's. Uh, mm. I don't know how many other movies they're playing at midnight, you know, and in like all these towns across America where people are actually still showing up to see something from the seventies. So, you know, this is, um, I remember being in Texas and being exposed to, uh, midnights of the Rocky horror picture show. And we used to always, we'd go out, we had to drive about 45 minutes to get to this one theater that was playing it. And, uh, I just remember it was the first time just walking into this movie theater and, and just, you know, just hearing all that. You didn't know what it was going to be like. And you just like all this craziness and it's all these kind of misfits just kind of walking into each other in costumes and dressed up and, you know, with just dudes that look like girls and guys and the hunchbacks and things and all these crazy costume people. And then as soon as the movie started, you know, this thing starts, you know, the people just start, you know, responding to the screen and just kind of interacting and going back. I'd never seen anything like that in a, in a, in a movie. And I was just like, what is happening with this thing? And it was just such a cool experience. And we would go all the time. We would, I mean, there was a time we were going for like a long time, a couple, like a year or so. We would just go every Friday night or a Saturday night. We would, that was our thing. We would all just kind of get in the car and go and me and my buddies. And, you know, I remember, and so then I started kind of acting out some of the, some of the scenes. And I remember, you know, my father was kind of like questionable about my sexuality because I was so into this movie. <laughs> and they were just like, are you queer boy? You know, it was like all this weird <laughs> stuff. And then I remember one time my dad showed up, but he'd heard that I was going to this movie all the time and he knew a little bit about it. And, uh, you know, he, and then he was in the back watching me. And I think I, one minute, I think I played Rocky and it was in my underwear running around the theater and stuff. And then he was just, you know, just like, I guess, I guess I'm going to have to accept this wild kid I have that'll just do whatever. But, you know, it was just, a, it was really cool because I was seeing this movie, what's cool about this movie. And, you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's the weirdest movie when you're not, when you don't know what it is or what's, what you're about to, to see. It's, uh, you know, it, you know, it's this transvestite. I don't know if you could say that anymore. And he, you know, he's wearing this dude, he's wearing lipstick, the thing, and all these things are happening. It's got this Frankenstein kind of, you know, structure to it. And then, so that's how it's easy to follow because you're like, okay, I, he's a mad scientist. He's making a dude or whatever. And so it, it's just, and it, it, that's what I like about music is, it breaks down kind of that thing that, you know, it, it, it isn't, you don't care about sexuality. You don't care about, you know, kind of things that you might get wrapped up in if you're kind of in a narrow minded world and music kind of breaks through that. And I think this ridiculous movie, and I love that the fact that, you know, Richard Bryan did it in Denton, Texas and all this stuff. And it's just a, um, it's just such a cool thing, you know, when you're watching, you know, I watched it last night actually, and it was so cool. I just, and it took me right back to the theater, you know, cause the, the songs like when, when meatloaf comes in for Eddie, 
you know, it's so cool. Like, it's just, it just, it, it, you know, it's just this moment in the movie that doesn't make sense. And he's there and he's like, ah, and it's just like, he's dressed so punk rock and cool. And uh, yeah, this music, this music was a big part of my life for a little bit in high school and stuff. And it was kind of those years where I was trying to find music and explore different things than the crap they were playing on the radio. And uh, this was one of those experiences, you know, not and as soon as I saw the movie, I went out and got the album and, you know, went out and started kind of like getting into it more for just the music end of it. And uh, yeah, man, it's just uh, it holds up. It has, like you said, it has so many different genres of music in it or it has like a traditional Broadway kind of sound, but it also has. And I love his voice, too, that your the songs that you liked are kind of my favorite as well. And uh, yeah, the opening song is phenomenal. Like that's the range that he has. Yeah, that's a guy. I because I was trying to look at stuff that he had done, and he'd done a few other things. But, but, but I feel like he was underused. This guy was very 100%. talented. He wrote this whole thing, man. And yeah. it's like I feel like you know the, we missed an opportunity with with Richard O'Brien. I mean, this guy should have been doing like five or six you know musicals. Like I don't understand why you know this is the only thing that he's really done that people know of. But, um, you know, and Barry Bosick, was it he? Th- I think he did that show with Michael J. Fox. Wasn't he one of the, I think he was one of the actors. Oh, in I that. think you're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Spin City. Spin City. Yeah. He was like the yeah. mayor. He played the mayor. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I, I love that song. And it was, yeah, it's just, there's never been an album or a production of something that is, you know, it's been more fun, in my opinion. You know, the fact that, uh, did you ever go to some of the uh, live screenings and uh, with the interaction and stuff? Did you ever see any of that? This is where my Staten Island upbringing comes in. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 never, I never did. I never did. It took me a long yeah. time to get into this. Um, I didn't get into this until uh, probably my college years. Okay. At uh, high school. No, and, and then even then, I was still way like more into like metal. So it took me a little while to really discover it. But once I did, you know, when you when you look at this, this is like real punk rock, I think. And oh, absolutely. Also, know who we we've been talking about this for a few minutes here. We never even mentioned that Susan Sarandon sings oh. in this. Yeah, a young she, Susan Sarandon. She looks amazing in it too. Amazing, <laughs> is right. Yeah. So, I, yeah, she has a pretty I, good voice. Like I was watching it last night. I was like, you know, her voice is pretty good. Like it's, you know, she she's another one I think underused. Like she should have been maybe singing a little more. But yeah, it's it's you know it brought out a lot of talent. Uh, Tim Curry is just he owns this thing and in, in the film and it's just uh yeah he comes out like he's alice cooper or something like that scene he's just so rock and roll <laughs> and uh and then you and then when you <laughs> this is the transition he's he's in garter belt and a thing and you're like what's going on and then the next scene he's like wearing like a like a, a chanel dress and you're like what and so but the uh but this yeah but the music in this is really is fantastic and uh it was nice to do two things it was nice to listen to it just audio and not and not be influenced so much by the theatrics of the movie and just kind of listen to you know kind of the brilliance of the music and that was nice to do and then i and then i watched the film and so then you get both things happening at once and yeah it's just really a cool experience it really is one of the few things where and i just love you know if you once we can go back to you know regular shit again it'll be um i'm gonna take you with me and we'll try to find a theater that has Rocky Horror happening on a midnight, and uh, ho- and I don't know if the kids still do it. I'm sure there's maybe somebody that will still be doing it, but there is nothing like sitting there on a midnight and just being around people that are really into Rocky Horror and having them yell at the screen. And it's not just yelling at the screen; like there's a there was an album that came out 
um, called the Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, the participation album. And they teach you how to kind of insert lines during the movie. So those people that like have listened to like all this Rocky Horror participation album stuff. And so they know exactly when to place like, you know, like, you know, for example, when he goes Antissa and then of course everybody goes Consta and then patient and like, it's just, oh, I, this know they say I just thought oh. they said, say it. That's what I thought. It's they called said. say it, but it's, but what it is, is it teaches people like when to drop the no, lines. But at yeah. that part, I thought oh, they just say, say it, say it. I thought they all say it. I didn't know they said they constant. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, there's different, you know, but there's an interaction. So people dropping lines throughout the movie. So it's just really cool to kind of like, uh, you know, just the fact that oh. it's so kind of interactive is really cool. Yeah, but that album is is teaching people how to kind of like interact with the film. And so, and we kind of learned it on our own, but then there would be somebody be like, dude, you just listen to the album. We learned it by just coming here. You know, there was always somebody like, yeah, whatever, man. It's like, <laughs> we don't need to buy the album. We'll just figure it out as we keep coming. But uh, yeah, man, it's definitely cool music. And um, I, I love the broadness of it. And I love that, you know, somebody like you who grew up in a machismo, whatever, and, you know, all that crap that you, same thing in Texas. And then the fact that we can kind of let that go and kind of experience something that is kind of out of our realm and it's in some sense, and then, you know, still appreciate kind of the music of it and um, how rock and roll and cool it is. I mean, that's a, that's a testament of something that's, you know, true art where it can kind of like, you know, kind of break you out of your shell and give it a chance, you know? And that's, this reminds me also, I remember I got into Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Oh, I understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Which is very similar. Yeah. I think without Rocky Horror, you don't have Hedwig and the Angry Inch. No, you don't have any of that stuff. Well, and then without David Bowie, you don't have this stuff. You know, there's like, you know, there's certain, you know, there's There's a lot of Bowie influence. uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Definitely uh, see that. Um, Who else was in this? Um, The guy who played Blowfield. In James, you know, he's a James Bond villain. He's oh, okay. in the, he's the inspector. Yeah, yeah, he's great. <laughs> yeah, with no neck. Yeah, he's fantastic. It's, it's just so weird. It, it's such a, I know they, they made this on a shoestring budget. I looked at it very closely. I didn't write it down, but I know it was made for, I'm, I'm almost positive it was made under a hundred thousand dollars. It was oh, made wow. at under a hundred thousand dollars. And God knows how many millions it has grossed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's why I don't feel sorry for Richard O'Brien because at least he got the you know you get the riding royalties and all that stuff. <laughs> so at first, I was like, this guy didn't work anymore. This guy's a genius. Then I'm like, he made a lot of money off this. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know that's what I like about it too. That it's um, like you know punk rock, like you said. It's kind of like this thing that uh, you know they took a chance on this, and I, I I guess they did stage versions of it and it became popular. And then that's how they were able to convince people to, you know, make actually make the movie because of how popular the stage version was. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, a very cool movie. And, uh, you know, and the time warp is fun. And that's the thing is when you're in the movie theater, we all get up and do the time warp. Like you get out of your movie seat. We're all doing the time warp. Like it's just, it just this thing is just it remind has so many memories attached to fun. Cause, and you, and you it's explained fun. it that's well, good- you know, campy you know fun all that that's you know it has all those things to it and uh yeah you just let loose that's uh, yeah that's that's what this this album did for me and it really made me want to come to new york 
you know, because it was like, I, this feels very New York, even though it's not, you know, in the city or anything. It just, it's the, the theatrics of it reminded me of kind of art that was happening in places like New York. And that's where it was very popular, the stage version and stuff. So, um, but yeah, this is a, this is definitely a fun time, man. It's got, Do you know uh, what it's considered the new Rocky Horror? What? It's no music, but uh, people kind of like now participate and yell stuff. Have you ever seen the movie The Room? Yeah, yeah, I saw. Um, yeah, well, the movie was great that the one that Franco did and stuff. But yeah, I've got I've watched the videos and stuff. But that's definitely uh, yeah, it's just a very similar vibe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's such a bad. I I was obsessed by this movie. I mean, Dustin, I can't begin to tell you how many times I watched the. Room. I think that was a little different because I think there's actually some real talent in this. Where that one's oh, kind yeah. of oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not that there's not talent. I mean, well, you know, it's debatable. There's no but, talent in the room. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> well, there is you know. nothing. But what's great, <laughs> the lighting's I mean, good. I was, the lighting's good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the guy who did the lighting, he was good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you had to find a silver lining and bad things. But no, but I love that about that. I love, um, you know, I never, I've never seen the room in a, I, you know, in a midnight thing. I'd like to actually. It, it seems like it'd be a lot yeah, of fun. It, well, what they do, well, when hopefully when things come back, uh, uh, every now and then, like you know, about once twice a year, Tommy Wiseau will come down and they'll do it. Like, uh, what's that place on um, on Bowery? What the movie theater on Bowery? Oh, uh, I don't know, Bowery. I think theater it just closed too. Shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it'll be either someplace there or uh, uh, the uh, IFC. They'll have like yeah. you know he'll. They'll that's do what like they do screening. with this. Yeah, wherever they have this, yeah. they probably have something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. probably. And yeah. He, he comes in like you. You watch the movie and he answers questions and signs autographs and shit. Yeah. Um, for fa this past Father's Day, my my uh, son got me a cameo with the guy from the room. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I saw. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's how crazy I was with, with the room. I mean, I, I loved love it. No, loved but, how bad it was. I like that but, about you. No, that's a good thing. And it's like, uh, you know, it's and that's that's one thing I like about this movie. It just definitely encompasses all that, you know, kind of interaction and fun. And you can appreciate, you know, appreciate art on different levels, you know, because there's there's art that's like, you know perfect and you know like queen or something where it's just like the music is great and everything is perfect and then there's art that's that's really good but then it it has other elements to it you know that you can you know find funny things in it so and just interesting kind of you know i don't know theatrics but this is definitely a fun album and uh i'm proud of this this is my picture disc i love the picture dicks disc dicks picture dicks <laughs> the picture disc you know they have like uh you know, it's just so cool when they, they print, you know, the image on the album. So, but, uh, yeah, That's this, edition? this, yeah, this is, this, this came all the way from wow. Texas. I've had this a while. It's like a limited edition and, uh, it's got a, it's got a number on it and everything. So, uh, yeah, this is, uh, you know, see how long COVID lasts. I might have to, you know, sell it for groceries. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Maybe this show will become about me hawking off my vinyl. Okay, can I get a bid? Can I get a bid? Can I get a bid? <laughs> Daddy Dustin's needs a new option. hat. Yeah. <laughs> These Stetsons ain't cheap. I'm going to sell off my albums. But uh, yeah, this is fun, man. This is definitely uh, a good time. And um, yeah, it's like, uh, what else is on here? Um, 
Yeah. And, and you know, one thing I really love about the, the last song too is really cool. Cause you said that it's kind of a, kind of a, a abode to like all the science fiction movies and stuff. And I like the, the part where, you know, they, he climbs the tower, kind of like a, almost like a King Kong oh, kind of thing. Home. Yeah. Going home and he, he climbs the tower and then he falls off into the pool and this this whole dramatic thing. And yeah, it's just really kind of a homage to all these, you know, kind of, uh, you know, things of the past. And that's what I like about it. It encompasses a lot of cool stuff. And uh, yeah, sort of cool. A lot of talent in this film. So this album, film, everything. So if you haven't seen it, make sure that you see it and you listen to the, the whole music, the whole soundtrack. It's such a, such a cool, cool experience. And so, yeah. You know, I, when I listen to this stuff, I listen to it in the gym. Like I, um, if I'm, when I'm doing spots, I park my car and I'm walking over to the spot. I'll put it on. I was listening to it and it may, it's, it just, it just flows, man. It makes the time go by so much quicker. Well, yeah. what's, what's cool about like, you know, musicals is, um, you know, um, some albums are like that. Like you'll have some albums that tell a story, but, you know, musicals are, you know, literally telling a story from start to finish. And so that's what's cool about them. I mean, most I mean, pretty much all musicals like that, you know, the you know, the music tells the story. So, you, you know, you have an opening you know, experience and then, you know, it tells a story about what happened and thing and it's a closing thing. So it, it really is a nice way to kind of hear a story through music is really an interesting way to kind of experience that. Well, you want to get the whole story. You got to do is listen to the, the first song. <laughs> it gives you, it gives you the, it gives you the whole thing right there. Yeah. You know? Sometimes, you know, not everything. No, I'm talking about in this album. And, oh, uh, this in, album. Uh, oh yeah, 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 absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, I love the opening to this song. Such a, this album is that's such a great song. And his pipes, man. Yeah, definitely. I'm really frustrated that he, it's after, crazy, Dustin. So good. It's crazy. Like, how how did, he can get, how did nobody like make give this guy? You know, I heard. Um, I remember I because I, I got so much into Rocky Horror. I bought the Tim Curry album. Um, he had a solo album. And oh, what was, was yeah? He had a hit off that. I think so. Yeah, he might have. Yeah, it was nothing this, crazy. Song, I, do, I do the rock. I do the rock. Okay, remember was that, that? It was okay. Yes, I do the rock. Oh man, that 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 was a, that had to be a tongue in cheek song too. I remember that. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it was, yeah. but uh, but yeah, I um, that was uh, yeah, I got so so into this album that I went out and searched for some more Tim Curry music. But uh, yeah, I think he had one album, and uh, I remember I have it. I can visualize the cover and everything. It's like a red cover, and he's on the front. But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, he's got great pipes, man. He definitely is, uh, you know, he's another one that uh, I would love to have heard a little more of his musical talent. You know, he, he played some cool roles, but, uh, you know, like Legend, he was great in that. He played the devil guy in Clue, and, you know, he's such a great actor, but really, you know, interesting Home voice. Alone. Home Alone too. Oh, was Home Alone 2? <laughs> I think Trump's in that. Yeah. <laughs> Trump is in it. <laughs> they film it in his hotel. That's what's Home so Alone. weird. Everybody's like, everybody's like, why don't you like Trump? It's like, I, you know, just the fact that he was in, uh, the, the fact that I'm voting for someone that was in Trump too. It's kind of like, like I never liked Reagan because he was in a movie with a monkey. It's like, come on, man. Like we need, I need a little more credibility in my candidates. <laughs> uh, you're talking about two of my heroes. <laughs> 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 yeah, we'll see. All right. <laughs> Two your heroes. Shut up. Get out of here. Get out of here. You just you just like cheap. You just write low taxes. I know what you're about, buddy. <laughs> it becomes a whole different show now. Yeah. Johnny Cash, Democrat. All right. 
All right. So well, what else listen, we got? He, let's let's switch the topic uh, quick before it gets weird. All right. <laughs> yeah, new music. New music. New music. What do you got, Talk to Dustin? me. Talk to me, buddy. Um. Well, this is this is kind of new. It's it's, it's released already, and okay. it's something I would like to maybe talk about next week. Okay. A little a little clue into that. But there's there's a new band. You know, we've been talking. You know, this is our third show. We've been talking about some older stuff, but um, brand new. Just came out this uh, past month. Um. A new album by the Struts. Have you Struts, know, you're talk to me. No, I don't know the Struts. Struts Educate are great. Me. Okay, are cool. Great. I'm, we're going to hold off on them because I want. Maybe we'll do that for next week. You know, a little little sneak preview. We'll talk uh, the Struts, but they have a. You brand can't just bring new... up the Struts and then leave me hanging. Tell me a little bit. Give me a little bit. Give me a tease. Give me a touch. Give me something. All right. Here's here's, here's <laughs> the tease, Dustin. If you like Queen and you like Joan Jett, you like the Struts. Okay. It's, it is this, this why this band isn't bigger than they are right now. I don't get, I, I don't, I don't understand the world because everyone gravitates towards Greta Van Fleet as being the new band or maybe rival sons being like the band that'll break through. I really believe it's going to be this band here. That is going to be, okay. yeah. Check them out. Uh, we'll talk about them next week. And uh, they have a, a just just came out, and the album is already hot. There's um, their first single is a, a collaboration with Kesha on it. Uh, you, you'll Kesha. like it, trust me. She's a cute girl. Yeah, I think she's cool. She's cute. She looks good when she dances. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you're being all hip with your young music. I'm just gonna stay old because I'm old. I don't give a shit. Um, I, I'm, this, I'm, I'm, this, I'm young. Listen, no, you stay young. You you be you be the young guy. I'll be the old guy. This is what the pandemic's done to me. I'm 27 years old. Look what Absolutely. it's done. Absolutely, you look great. You look yeah. great. Just hard drinking back in the day, um, back in uh, 2009. Um, <laughs> uh, this is cool. This is a class of 55. That's how old I am. Uh, this is Memphis Rock and Roll Homecoming. Um, it's a vinyl LP coming out. Um, I believe it's coming out next month. Johnny Cash. Roy Orbison, Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins, all the Sun Records guys. Wow. That's some cool stuff. Um, Bee Gees. I love the Bee Gees. I don't care what anybody Me says. Too. The oh. early Bee Gees, before uh, Saturday Night Fever, this, I mean, that's a great soundtrack. But before that, they're, they're really good. They just kind of they kind of got lost in all the disco, but um, they have some really cool songs. Like if you get some I got to get a message to you. It's one of my favorite all-time yeah, songs. Great stuff. And uh, so I think this is, I think this is a little older. Uh, Children of the World and uh, Bee Gees Main Course, I think, is one of the ones coming out. But um, yeah, what else we got here? Um, you know what I like well, about the Bee Gees, Dustin? Talk to me. What do you got? Is when Maurice died, they said they would never perform as the Bee Gees again. Mm. They, you know, uh, Barry and uh, Robin would perform uh, sometimes, you know, as uh, the Brothers Gib. But they or or they use their name, but they never performed another show as just the Bee Gees. Oh, that's cool. That they, and I met uh, Barry Gibb once, and he couldn't have been nicer and more of a gentleman. And I was, you know, there's very few people I would be in awe of. He was one of them. Nice. I always hate when people tell me that. When they, I feel like it's always like this guy was a nice guy. Do you have any stories where um, we met a celebrity and was like not a nice person? That would be. I want to hear yeah, those Jack, stories. Ni Jack Nicholson. <laughs> he was a dick. <laughs> we, we had a Knicks game and they were playing the Lakers. Like what happened? What, what was that at? No. Well, you know, I did production for about 19 years. Oh, you did. You, you've had a very interesting life. Yes. And I've had what an interesting life. And um, I was. Uh, we were at the. Um, 
old Roseland. You know, okay. Roseland isn't there place. anymore. I've been there. Yeah. yeah. And um, there was a party. There was um, uh, a pre-Grammy party there. And um, what's his name? Nicholson was was there. And the same night, that was like Madonna was there and Anthony Kiedis and all these really cool people. And now it's the end of the night. And as you know, we got to like start getting people out. Okay. And Nicholson is still there. And I just said, hey, uh, excuse me. Uh, I... And he wouldn't even acknowledge me, look at me, wouldn't like, uh. you know, nothing. Just, just like, you know, like I, I was a piece of shit, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, just really super rude, man. It was like, you know, it, it was like about, oh, it had to be about five o'clock in the morning and, you know, closing time here in New York is uh, four o'clock and you got to get people out. Yeah. And he's still there. Still won't leave. And he was just, just completely like, just like rude, but just was just, would just <laughs> sit there and just like wouldn't acknowledge you. And, and it's, he's inside, and it's so fucking pompous. He's wearing, you know, those dumb dark glasses, and like, you know, you can't say what what you really think because you don't want to lose your job. You well, know, because well, here's the thing: like, you were pumping up that word confidence. That's what happens when you take confidence to the extreme level. You become Jack Nicholson. Because that's what the ultimate confidence is. Because he just thinks he's, it's this godlike, you know, syndrome. Like he's, I mean, people treat him that way. So he knows, he's Jack Nichols. He doesn't have to do anything. The worst, I remember being one time, um, Gotham Comedy Club. I was working there. I was kind of like, I was an intern. I was just like, you know, scrubbing toilets, whatever I had to do to get stage time. And I remember um, there was a comic and uh, her sister was married to Prince, like right when Prince first got married. Wow. And uh, so she was a comic and her sister was married to Prince. It was this whole thing. And so one night freaking Prince comes in to the old Gotham, which was on like 22nd or something. And uh, the little, the small club. And uh, so Prince comes in and everybody's just like, oh my, it's Prince. And so it's like, everybody's scattering, trying to, you know, make everything happen for Prince. And, uh, you know, he comes in and like he sits and they give him the whole section and, you know, it's like all security and the thing and everything. And uh, whatever you want, Prince, you know, whatever you want, you know, drinks and food. And, you know, so they really like loaded up. And I remember, um, you know, Prince leaves and all the waitresses were so angry because he didn't leave a penny. Like, oh. <laughs> it was just like you have people that do, do that for him, though. Huh? Does he have people that might do that for him? I don't know. I mean, they could have. I mean, if so, then, you know, they should do their job. But nobody did it. Like, he should. If I mean, usually those people are with him. I mean, those people should have known better. But anyway, it was a thing. And it, it kind of broke my heart a little bit because I love Prince. I still love Prince. I don't give a shit. But it was just so it was just this funny moment where you're just like, it's like, you know, we were all excited. And then it was just like, yeah, he, did, he didn't tip, though. And so <laughs> it's like, uh. all the waitresses, <laughs> they thought they were going to make like three grand that night. And it was just like, nope. So I don't know. Really? And, they, and they, no one yeah. got in touch with the with the party or the or the. Uh, I mean, what are you going to do? You get a hound prince? Come on. Yes. You may, they, no, that's, you don't. You know why shitty. you don't? You know why you don't? Because the why club made. Listen to me. Because the club made page six. <laughs> Uh, next uh, day in the paper and then the exposure of Prince being at your club generates business. So the owner doesn't give a shit. It's more about the poor little waitress, but it's like, cause that's what happens. And that's why these guys act the way they do, because they know that if they, they, if they're there, it's free press for the place that they're in. And they know that it's, you know, and that's why sometimes they act this way because, you know, they can do whatever they want. But, you know, be nice to people, even when you're ultra famous and talented, it's like, you know, even if you've been in a bunch of stuff, just be nice and tip your waitress staff. Yeah, I'm nice to everybody. <laughs> I, I tip my waitresses. 
Very cool. All right, this is a fun show. I'm excited. And uh the late night double feature. Bye everybody. Good show, Jeff. Take care, everybody. Love you, buddy. Take care, Bye, man. Dustin. Woo! <laughs> we did it. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. 